Good afternoon once again at the Craft Beverage Institute of the Southeast. We're looking at the State of the Brunion Address. Once again, we have Ian McCard back with us. Uh, welcome back, Ian. Thank you, thank you. A.K.A. the Herald of Hops, the leader of Lupulin. We want to have you... Uh, I like that last yeah, one. The leader of Lupulin. It, it took me a while well to write done. that one. It's, it's, it's a labor of love. Um, so... <laughs> You were you were here once again, or, or once time, one time before, uh, talking about the State of the Union address, so to speak, or Brunian, uh, about grain. And you gave us some great news and some not so great news, but not not anything where we need to uh, go stock up and store and and, and, right. and worry about things. But uh, we need to talk about the big uh, big pink elephant in the room, and it's not because we drank too much; it is because uh, there are more ingredients in beer. We've got. Malted barley, which we've talked about. I mean, we've got uh, water, also delicious to stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. Certainly, there's yeast in it, but uh, we got to we got to talk about the hop, hop harvest in the northern hemisphere. And uh, what do you give me? Good news. Just just shoot it to me straight. First of all, I'm gonna keep you on suspense here. Uh, I I work for Country Malt Group. Malt is in the name. I saw oh, them all left and right. Well, yeah, but you sell but hops. Yeah. Hops are always that sexy part of the brewing the process. Spice. That's what everybody asks about. I just want to go on the record as saying malt is crucial and beautiful and important. Backbone of beer. Backbone of beer. But hops are pretty damn sexy. So the hop report. I've got goosebumps right now. Seriously, goosebumps. Those arm hairs are getting a little weird. It, well, touche. <laughs> So the hop report, it is another mixed bag. Say it ain't so. How how do we do here in the but United less, States? But less of a uh, depressing one. In the U.S., the hop harvest is another fantastic harvest. Epic. All of the hops that you are drinking in your American craft beers are usually very likely coming from the Yakima Valley in Washington and maybe some from Oregon. Those hops are all looking pretty phenomenal from this last harvest. Uh, in fact, I think there's been an above average yield on almost every hop variety except for Centennial. Really? Centennial. Centennial really? Yeah, Centennial ended up getting some, uh, I think it was disease issues this year, and the harvest was a little bit lower on that. It shouldn't really be any sort of an issue as we do have a surplus of Centennial out in the market already. So really, this will be good. It'll just give people a chance to catch up on some of the uh, hops that are in the past harvests that are sitting around. Sure, sure. So that's the U.S. It's beautiful, uh, very, very fragrant, aromatic. Uh, the hops are going to hit the alphas that they need to. The European harvest, not so much. Same. <laughs> You're killing me. Yeah, same, same weather issues, same uh, drought situations or uh, weather events that were affecting the barley harvest have also affected the hop growing area. So German hops, your Pearl, your Magnum, your old, your old school German noble hops are fairly low yields this year. And what did come out is not quite the same. <laughs> certainly not quite the same. Certainly not quite the same as uh, what we were hoping for. Uh, that said, there's still going to be good, good hops coming out of those regions. Uh, Czech Saz hops are, are looking okay. But the yields are such that the availability might be very tight. Uh, I can't speak to the fact if there's going to be any force majeure at this point. Force majeure is an agricultural term. It's, it's utilized if 
You're contract so fancy. To hop. Thank you. If you if you uh, contract a certain uh, hopper or barley of a volume from a variety, and then the uh, farmers just aren't able to produce as much as they needed to, force majeure can be enacted in that contract to just say sorry, your your contract is being cut by ten percent, twenty percent, and it's not just you; it's every other brewer out there in the market. So, so but you don't mentioned take that personal. No, no, no personal. But you mentioned contract. Mm-hmm. What that, to, thank that, you that for asking. Be, that can be a foreign uh, a foreign idea to a lot of people. Absolutely. And so could you just get into contracting? I mean, it could be grain, it could be hops, but we're focused on hops right now. Right. Could you talk about hop contracts? I would be more than happy to. So my one message right now for brewers is this year, it's going to be a good year to contract your hops. So when you go to purchase hops, you're doing it in one of two different ways. You're either purchasing hops on the spot market Spot market means you are looking at what is sitting in uh, any of your hop vendors' warehouses, and uh, you're saying, I want that, and you're getting it in. It could be this year's crop. It could be crop from 2012 uh, or older even. Spot just means it's sitting there available. It's not spoken for, and the pricing will usually reflect that. Contracted hops, which some years is crucially important and other years is not quite, uh, means that you are saying next year or this year or in two years from now, I'm going to need X amount of this particular hop. I would like you as my supplier to have that ready for me. And the beauty of hop contracting means you can actually go to the farmers and you say, hey, in 2020, we're going to need you to plant three more acres of citra hops because the demand for that has risen to the point where we know there's this many people that are going to need it. So the farmers love it. Suppliers like us love it because it means we can actually uh, work with the farmers and prepay for those hops, and we can also get you the best possible price on it. It also means the brewer, you have that volume guaranteed to you, which is a very beautiful thing, especially if that hop is in your flagship beer that you've made your name on. If you don't contract it, you run the risk of not being able to brew the exact same beer, even if that's what's on the can. And really, it's about consistency. 100% 100% about consistency. You know, it, it, you have that experience with drinking a pale ale. You have that to drink, uh, IPA, even a mild brown. You know, you have that experience drinking that beer and you want to be as consistent as possible for the consumer. And so it's one of those things where if you can't get the ingredients that go into the beer, it's going to be right. real hard to recreate that beer. Exactly. And so contracting, I would I would advise everyone. Now, home brewers out there, don't fret. There'll still Do be hops fret. for you there, guys there to, to brew with. And in the smaller format sizes, in the one pounds and the one ounces. And even with contracting, it really is going to come down to what that harvest looks like each year. You don't want to contract 100% of your hops no. unless you're hearing that it's going to be a bit of a rough year the next year. In this case right now, we had another bumper harvest. But demand is such that on some of your sexier varietals like Citra, uh, Simcoe, Lemon some, drop, some, et cetera. Nor, Northern Hemisphere stuff, too. Northern Hemisphere We're all stuff. talking Northern Hemisphere harvest right now. Uh, we want to make sure Ian comes back for the Southern Hemisphere harvest as well. Happy to do so. So I will bribe him with, uh, with libations, as I always do with all of my guests. Um, and so that being said... You make an appealing case. <laughs> so that being said, to, to not to interrupt what you're talking about contracting, but we need to talk a little bit about booze clues. Mm-hmm. And so... I have once again set a glass in front of you. Uh, it's, a, it's a clear, I will give you some clues. It's a clear spirit, locally produced. Hmm. And so I know you're a, a, a grain guy at heart and a, and a hop guy uh, by love. 
And uh, this is hopefully a little, again, I, I, I try to think a little bit outside of the box and a lot, a little bit outside the comfort zone. And so I, I, I challenge you, so to speak, to, uh, to taste what's in front of you and, and give me an idea of what, uh, what, what it is. Oh, I'm happy to do so. <laughs> so this is always kind of a fun thing as far as sensory goes. Uh, you know, everyone's palate is correct. You taste what you taste and you like what you like and what, like what you don't. And so, uh, so I am looking at a, uh, a clear liquor and I have a puff in the background with a big grin on his face. <laughs> so off the nose, I think it's pretty easy and safe to say that this is going to be a vodka. And for anybody listening, everyone has that one experience <laughs> with some point. And in let's, their let's, let's, let's be safe. Uh, I did not know that, uh, your particular, uh, bugaboo, uh, was vodka until is that what that word means? It, bugaboo. Yeah. Right now. And, uh, it, it, thank you for trying it. Um, I, I also have some of these bugaboos. So that being said, it is a, a locally produced, um, small batch vodka from my friends over at elevated mountain distilling company in Maggie Valley. Uh, it's called hurricane Creek. And, uh, what do you taste? Because of that whole bugaboo situation, I went into this a little hesitantly, but just on the initial sip, it's almost, it's almost creamy instead of harsh. There's no heat behind it. And in fact, it almost, uh, it almost, uh, dissolves on its way down. So we've got a, uh, a really nice mouthfeel mm-hmm. on this particular spirit. It's incredibly kind of, it, creamy. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, uh, one of the things that I really, really enjoy about vodka. Almost it, notes of vanilla to it, a yeah. little bit of slight lemon. Yeah. So there, you know, when when vodka is made, it has to be distilled up to ninety five percent purity, and so the five percent that's left over, it's supposed to be tasteless, odorless, and colorless by TTB standards by law. And so when we have that five percent that's left over, it's not that vodka is devoid of flavor; it's that the flavors are, you know, just. Not necessarily, they're, 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 they're in the Stripped background. To their yeah, 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 yeah. And so one of the things is like a, normally if you drink a beer or a cider or another type of spirit, something can be muted at a certain part per million. And what I mean that is like milligrams per liter. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a sensory of perception that we can taste it. When you strip everything away and you bring things to the forefront, it's like drinking a domestic lager versus a craft lager that has a bunch of hops in it. Right. It's not that the domestic lager is devoid of flavor, but anything in that beer would be so brought to the forefront if it had an off flavor. So vodka is kind of the same way. And the trick to vodka is, is you know, the mouthfeel, the crispness, the flavor. And I think that uh, the kids over at Elevated Mountain do a really, really good job with this one to have a nice creamy mouthfeel. They have just a hint of that vanilla, just a hint of citrus, like you like you described. You nailed mm-hmm. it. You really, really nailed it. And I think they do such a great job uh, as one of the reasons why I wanted to have uh, have you try it. I didn't. I, it was really funny that I did not know that that was uh, that was the one. And everyone out there is already rolling their eyes and thinking in their head, "Oh, I remember that time mm-hmm. I." Drank, drank, barely remember that. Yeah, or b- yeah. <laughs> vaguely remember the time that they were tasting it or retasting it at that point. Um, everything in moderation, kids. I We've think this that is enough for me to uh, attempt an electric uh, bugaboo number two. All right. Fair I'm enough. Impressed. Uh, uh, fair enough. Haywood. No, uh, Maggie Valley. Hurricane Creek. Yeah. Hurricane Creek is the name of the small batch vodka that they make out there. Uh, 
ironically, uh, one of the uh, distillers out there is a graduate of the program. Uh, another one is also associated with the program. He came here for a year. And uh, I think they do a great job with what they do. And um, it's it's kind of a fun thing to see uh, some of the students go out, just like you do with your sales team, and Absolutely. see them succeed. And so this is our curiosity. Vodka is always a curiosity because people, right. uh, you know, they have your experience with it where it probably wasn't your fault. You were overserved. It's not your fault. That's true. It's it's not your fault. And there's so many varieties out there. And, and it's hard. It's a hard so market brands. to play in. Yeah. And there's some great, amazing varieties out there and a lot of technology that goes into making. Uh, it, we were talking before the podcast started about uh, an experience I had with uh, another type of vodka uh, from Russia. And so there's a lot of different ways to make this stuff. And they're different, but they're all supposed to be the same. So what's the difference between this bottom shelf and top shelf? Well, you know, you can taste it. It sounds, as crazy as it sounds, it's the finished product Mm -hmm. is going to be different, even in that 5%. So one of the big things about vodka, and I'm going to give you a little secret here. This is at 40%. So if we we distill everything up to 95% purity, we've got to add water back to it. And so that water you add back to the ethanol, the distillate itself, is such a key ingredient Absolutely. in vodka. Yeah, and water yeah. is not flavorless. Water has each each source of water has its own personality. There is a water sommelier. He's out of San Francisco. He was tra- <laughs> just no, one. No, it, it, the only one I know of in the United States hmm. is a water sommelier. He's out in San Francisco, of course. Uh, that being said, you know, water tastes different. If you live anywhere near brackish water, uh, in anywhere like uh, along the coast, you know, you turn your faucet on, it's it's a coin flip. Yep. It could be anything coming out of the, the faucet at that point. And that's the hard part about brewing and distilling near the near the coast. You got to have some some water treatment to make sure that the consistency of the water that you're using is, is uh, the integrity of that is really, really high. Absolutely. But that also gives you your own, it gives your beverage your own personality. Well, in wine, it's called terroir. Terroir. And so 90 to 96% of beer is water. Uh, you know, 60% of what's in this bottle is water. And so it, it, it's really, really unique to the area. It's really, really unique to the spirit and the beer. Uh, and, you know, it, into the wine because the water is being soaked up through the vines and into the grape. Right. And so it's such an important ingredient that I think some people forget about. Uh, especially you that sells malt and hops. No, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not come on, that's just throwing shade. But um, that being said, it's, it's a unique drinking experience when I can find something that you normally mm-hmm. would have kind of a bugaboo. Um, I'm ready. I think I've overcome it. No, well, good. I've learned something new today. <laughs> You're adulting right It now. is also a beverage, though, that rarely utilizes hops. It is. Rarely. Yes, <laughs> I would say almost never. There's there's some uh, some breweries that have opened up their own distillery arms. Uh, New Holland, for instance, that has tried a hopped vodka, and it is a uh, it's another personality experience. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had beer schnapps. Yeah, I've had beer schnapps from some very large reputable companies, mm-hmm. and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> About that, you know, when it's you an experience, when you concentrate isomerized alpha acids, and what those are is the bitterness in beer. Yep. And when you concentrate those in a still, uh, depending on the type of beer that you're putting in that still, it can get 
very, very bitter, very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a balance kind of thing. And it's hard to, uh, at that point, really understand the the dynamicness of that bitterness. You're not able to always pick out the the various flavors. No, it's not a one it's note more, bitterness. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a punch in the face. Exa- more, yeah, kick, kick, <laughs> kick in the face, maybe. <laughs> a drop kick to the tongue <laughs> bitterness. Um, so it's it's one of those things where it's not just kind of a standard. Right. And so it, it's a unique drinking experience. So to circle back. Hops. We are not... It's not Lord of the Flies right now. No, it is a it's good not, year. Okay, good. The hop harvest is such that uh, we're going to be seeing uh, continued availability of a lot of the hops that you know and love. That said, the sheer demand that has come from craft brewers and hop-heavy beers this year is leading to another situation where contracting the varieties that you're going to depend on is a very well-advised course of action. Um Some of the other benefits, though, of such a good harvest are leading us to additional uh, hop varieties that are going into the cryo side of things. Ooh. So I was going to ask you about hop products. Hop products. Cryo. Like, I think of Han Solo, Frozen and Carbonite. Yes, exactly. With that that weird face. Yeah, like sticking out of the thing. Mm -hmm. So they do that with hops, right? They do that with hops. (laughs) They do. As long as you uh, piss off the Java (laughs) Java enough. Um, So the cry, the hashtag not sponsored by Disney. No. (laughs) Anyway, lawyers are not running in. No, no, Um, no. So the cryo, the cryo process is very complex, but Mm. in a nutshell, you're taking the hop uh, cones themselves, and then you are basically freezing them to a point where they become very friable and you're shaking them. And all of the little lupulin crystals, those little yellow balls of goodness fall off and separate from the plant matter. Uh, which we can call bract. So the cryo powder is basically those lupulin crystals in a powder format. And then you have bract, which is all of the debittered leaf, which really can be construed as uh, noble hops at that point and utilized as such. But the cryo powder is typically utilized at a ratio of half as much as you would use in a regular pelletized uh, hop. And then it is significantly more flavorful. There's a lot. That's that's an understatement. It is you an you, under- you Talk gave about me kick no. To the face. Yeah, you gave me an ounce of some cryo hops mm-hmm. back when we toured your facility. Amazing facility, absolutely fun, phenomenal. You. And it was, uh, I was impressed by the cleanliness of the facility. We and do that our best. I know, and that's that's I know it's a source of pride for you, and and it, it is has to be. No, when no, you it have is a malt a warehouse. Yeah. Uh, pest control is key, and part of that is keeping everything clean. So those cryo hops that you gave us was something that we screwed around here with at mm-hmm. the at the CBI and the students got really really excited about it with uh with dry hopping and and, and doing all the things that you can do with right. these powders um and it's they're they're huge right they're huge you're talking like 16% alpha you're talking all sorts of really big numbers at that point which is reducing you know, a lot of things that you're actually adding to the kettle boil or exactly. adding to there's, the... Uh, there's less waste at the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a great, amazing product. You have CO2 extraction. You've got some other things going on. And uh, you've got pretty much a lot of opportunity right now with some of these hop products that people are uh, people have been using for a long time. It is a brand new world on the hop side of things. Well, Ian, I can't thank you enough for being here. Uh, come back. So one of the things I did want to ask you about mm-hmm. was the Southern Hemisphere. Will you come back? I would love to. Because there are some really, really popular 
popular varieties in the southern hemisphere there are and then there's also a whole new world of stuff coming from there the hops hops that have flavors that we didn't know could be had that didn't exist before didn't exist. like galaxy and some of these other ones that like mm-hmm. i've heard and i've used and the, the flavors are amazing absolutely passion fruit and guava mm. <laughs> and all these like super sexy flavors i mean really um you know if you get this big uh ipa hop bomb now that you're like wow this tropical fruit and, and all these like there are chemicals that are associated with those flavors right and they're coming from the hops and i i want to i want to learn more about this stuff in the southern hemisphere let's do it if you can come back i will bribe you with more booze i accept <laughs> and and so thank you ian for coming happy to be uh, here. thanks for country malt group thanks for everybody listening uh once again this is consuming the craft from ab tech's craft beverage institute of the southeast uh we appreciate everybody listening and uh cheers Cheers.